Jesus, we do thank you that you love us so much, and we thank you that uh, we can find rest in you. And God, we just thank you because you have called us to a mission, a purpose. You've called to help us, to enable us, to go before us, to prepare the way. And God, may we choose to walk with great confidence in following you. May we desire to understand your word and grow in you that we could be more effective in reaching the lost and helping those that are in desperate need. Father, we just ask that we would have your wisdom. We ask that we would see with your eyes and have a heart filled with empathy, that we would be quick to listen and that we would be ones that would provide your grace and love to others. Father, we just thank you for so many blessings. We thank you for so many good reports. We thank you for those lives that you have saved and those issues that you have healed. We thank you for how you provide resources and how you help. We thank you, God, because you are good. And it's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. And you may be seated. Thank you so much. Again, we thank you for your continued giving and um, tithes and offerings, whether those give uh, online, the Be Generous tab at Hopeful Vermont, or give in person or mail checks to the chapel campus. It really helps us to be God's hands and feet to really uh, reach out and give to others. And um, what a great testimony. Uh, that is, that we have have the ability to give. Uh, we've been looking at Acts 1, and so we continue with Acts 1, but we move forward from Acts 1-1 today, so you can clap and be happy about that. But in my first book, this is Dr. Luke writing to uh, his friend Theo. He said, I told you about everything Jesus began to do and teach, and it's so important that we have someone that we're learning from, that we're walking with, and that we're investing in. If you do not have yet somebody that is a spiritual mentor, maybe you would call them a spiritual father or mother, somebody that you seek their advice, that you wonder what God has taught them, what he's begun to show them, and what, he's, uh, what they've learned along the path, then find somebody. If you don't have anybody that you can send a text message to and say, hey, how can I pray for you today? Or, uh, you know, I just want to encourage you with this scripture that I read, then I would encourage you to find someone that you can encourage someone with those words. That you don't have to send a long message of like, I'm going to preach to you because I think you need it today. But we just say we want to encourage you because God's word is alive. And I've learned that as I've been someone has shared scripture with me that it's been an encouragement and I want to share with others. And who are you investing in? Who are you saying, I will take you out for lunch? Or can we meet for coffee? Or can we really get to know each other so that God can spill out of us? And I've shared it many times when I was a director of mentoring. Many people said, well, pour yourself out, pour yourself out. And maybe it's just semantics or vernacular or verbiage or one of those fancy words that just means we're just changing word structure. But I think if you pour out and pour out and pour out, when you come home to your spouse, to your children, you're going to feed them something that is empty, something that's stale, something that is not from the abundance that God gave. And that's why God wants to fill us to the point of overflowing. So we spill out. So our spouse, so our children, they don't see us as hypocrites. Oh, you make time for everybody else, but not for me. You have uh, the best in store because God has a plan for them. But what do you have for me? And this is because Acts was written about the spread and the expansion of the gospel, the good news. We are to be used of God so converts can know the salvation of Jesus. We are supposed to tell people that the hope we have, the salvation that he gives, is for salvation. 
It's not, well, God loves you and God loves me, so just be happy. It's God loves us so that we might be converted to following him. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross and follow me, Jesus speaking. If you try to hang on to your own life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. If this sounds familiar, uh, I read it last week, so maybe that's why it's familiar. Verse 26, and what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? When I was at Bible college, a professor told me that uh, he did not want to see a thousand kids saved, but his own son go to hell. So he was going to make time to turn down speaking engagements, to turn down things that might give him a greater platform or allow him to speak so that he could make that time to share with his son, Josh. And his son now is serving the Lord. His son now is loving God. And now he has that legacy. And I was always reminded that is anything worth more than your soul? Is that the soul of 10,000 kids that you got to witness to, that you got to preach the gospel? No, no, nothing is worth more than your soul. Nothing is worth more than how God created you as a masterpiece. That's something about human beings that God created us with a soul, a purpose, a reconnection with him, the father, the creator, to know him and to make him known. So we look speedily through the first eight verses of Acts 1. In my first book, Theophilus, I told you about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. There is more proof, let me say this again, there is more proof that Jesus rose from the dead, more proof that Jesus rose from the dead than there is that man landed on the moon. And those naysayers, oh, man never landed on the moon. Well, you can believe that or you can't, but I'm just telling you there's more proof, there's more proof that Jesus rose from the dead than that man landed on the moon. If you want to research it, there's a couple good books I'd recommend. Leap Strobel, he's written a lot of great ones. And um, it's just something that we are not believing something that is not backed up by scientific proof and facts. We believe something that has more facts than the fact that we landed on the moon. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. Do not leave until you receive the gift. Jump baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. My prayer, my hope is this summer, there will be those maybe even seated here. There are those that are either watching online or those that have attended this local church that feel as though I've never been baptized. I would like to make a public display to say that I'm a follower of Jesus. If you want to do it in the brook just over here under the bridge that we did before, that would be awesome. If you want to find Bingham Falls and jump off the cliff, like I don't think I'm too old to do that, but I'll push you off with my blessing. And we can really uh, celebrate together because baptism is something that God commands us to be a part of, but it's to be celebrated that we are taking a stand for others to follow him. So if you would like to be baptized, please contact me and let me know, and we can just walk through the steps of what baptism means and why it's important and the significance of it. 
So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has a time come for you to free Israel and to restore your kingdom? Lord, like what is the leadership position that you have for me? They still thought Jesus was going to give them authority over the Romans, those that kept them captive, those that had persecuted them. And I go back to my child mind or my childlike faith, but it's my mind where, hey, Jesus promised a gift. Like, when do I get it? Is now the time I get to open the gift? Is now the time, Jesus, you're going to give me whatever you're going to give me? Because I'm ready. I'm ready. Is now the time that I can open that gift up? I just really want that gift from you. And in my mind, like, based on what I've done and the proximity that you've had with me, I think, like, I should be a ruler in this area. Or I should be maybe not the king, but I should definitely be the second in charge. And God, is it time for that gift to come, that gift to happen? And, uh... Well, Jesus had a different idea. He said, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they're not for you to know, but but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This was the memory verse from last month. You will receive power. You will be my witnesses. You will tell people about me, Jesus, everywhere. This word power, you will receive power, dynamis is the Greek. It means a miracle. It's a form of where we receive the word dynamite. Dynamis, you will receive this power. You will receive this miracle. You will receive something that only God can give you to give you this power to be a witness. What is a witness? Well, In the original language, it did not mean to be an eyewitness in a court of law so you could give your opinion. A witness in the original language meant to be a martyr. So all the hands went down. If you will be, you will receive power. Who wants that gift? You will be a martyr. All the hands go down because who wants that gift? Who wants to be a martyr? Well, only those that God calls to be martyrs will be martyrs. So it's not something that we fear, but it's something that we understand that could be part of what God would have us to become. And tell your story, tell your testimony. Why do we tell our testimony? Why do we share that I was a sinner? Like I struggled. Now I'm a a saint based on scripture, but I'm just a saved person and I still struggle. I still have temptations. I still fall. Why do we share that? Because it encourages people so you don't have to reach a certain level of perfection. As I've shared before, there was somebody at a church that I went to and they were just out front and they didn't want to go into the sermon. And somebody asked them, like, why are you going in for the sermon? And they said, I've heard so many sermons. There's not one that I can. There's not a new one. I can learn something more about God. And I thought, huh, that's kind of too bad if we ever think like, hey, I have I have it. You know, I'm just going to sit off to the side. You can ask me ask after the service all your questions, and I'm just going to expand my wisdom on you. That's not the testimony we're telling. The testimony we're telling is like, I'm weak, I'm frail, I make mistakes, but for the sake of Jesus, for his salvation, for his hope, we can stand here, we can share with others about his grace. We can apologize and say, do not look at me for the lowest common denominator of what I've done or what you think I've known for. Look at me through the lens of Jesus' salvation and know that we are pursuing God together. Why is this so important? Well, in Revelation, they have defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by their testimony. And they did not love their lives so much 
that they were afraid to die. So maybe you do not want to be a martyr. I do not want to be a martyr. I don't not. I don't want history books to say Jeff's final words when he was martyred. That's not something I aspire to have as my final words before I'm martyred. That's not something I crave. I think it would be special. I want to live and die like in a regular way, if that makes sense. But I also want to share that it's because of the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony of what God has done that if that did happen, that we would be okay saying, okay, God, I'm standing for you, even if it means being a witness in the sense of being a martyr. So what do you do with grief and sorrow, with mourning and loss? What do you do when people are encountering such difficult times, when chaos happens and you're just like, I can't get past what has happened in my life. I can't move forward because I'm just stuck in this turmoil, in this grief. I would suggest, based on scripture, that it's okay to remain in that sorrow for a time. We don't have to look like, hey, show me quick the lesson I can learn so I can move forward, so I can tell somebody, hey, all things work together for good of those that love God and called to his purpose. I, you don't have to move so quickly from the grief, the sorrow, the mourning, the loss. You can rest there and know that God is with you so that out of it we move forward. We don't move on. So this is Paul who said three different times, I begged the Lord to take it away, the, the um, thorn in his flesh. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. Do we boast in our weaknesses? Do we boast in our frailty? Do we try to put on a mask that covers that vulnerability so people don't know that we struggle, that people don't know whatever situation we're in. Often, I think, and I say this carefully because mental illness is very real and requires medication and counseling, but I think sometimes people are struggling with mental wellness, emotional health, and we need to allow people that space to say, I am not in a good spot right now. I need to talk this out. And instead of just saying, hey, pray about it, God's going to fix it. We say, let's pray together. Let's fast and pray. Let's journey together, not say, hey, God, you provided a miracle. You're a silver bullet. One time we pray and it's done. We say, I'm just going to journey with you throughout this process so you can know that in your weakness, God is going to be your support. God is going to be your strength. And this is why it is so important to know who God is and why we follow him. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. It's not, hey, I take pride in being made fun of because I was a jerk to that person. And look, they call me a name because I'm a Christian. Or we take pride because, oh, they put me down because, you know, I was actually pretty rude to them. But I'm a Christian, so it has to be because I'm a Christian, not because I was rude to them. No, it's for the sake of Jesus. They put us down because... Why are you taking care of them? They can't help you. They can't pay you back. They have done nothing good. They don't deserve it. Why? You're wasting your time. Isn't that what we should be known for, for wasting our time according to culture and society on those that could never help us because that's what Jesus did for us. We couldn't pay back what he sacrificed. And the very fact that Jesus died for those that said, 
I am going to refuse your gift of salvation. And Jesus still said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. This is why we boast, for when I am weak, then I am strong. When we confess our sins, when we look at ourselves and our own frailty, we understand who Jesus is because the Comforter has come. The Holy Spirit is here. God is with us. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. He's the Everlasting Father. He's the Prince of Peace. He's the one that cares about everything we're going through. He's the one that mediates when we just got can't utter sound or words. We just utter sounds. We're like, oh, we have a mediator, one that takes it before the father and says, this is my child. This is the one you sent me to die for. This is the one that you love. Just help them in their time of need. And from the old hymn, the comforter has come. Oh, spread the tidings around wherever man is found, wherever human hearts and human woes abound. Let every Christian tongue proclaim the joyful sound, the comforter has come. That's the gift. That's the power. That's the promise that Jesus gave to the disciples that we get to receive now, that the comforter is here, that we would tell Deb, that we would tell Shannon, that we would tell those that have just received a diagnosis, that have just been told that they're being served with divorce papers, that have just been told that their child is in the hospital because of a tragic event, that we could say the comforter has come. He will wipe away every tear. He will give you meaning because in this world, there will be trouble. But Jesus said, he has overcome the world. Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this. I am with you always. It does not say, I'm with you when you're good. I'm with you when you got perfect attendance in Sunday school. I'm with you when you know you gave above and beyond that 10%. I'm with you when you know you invited that non-Christian to church, even though they would spit in your face. I'm with you then. Jesus said, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So this is a power that Acts 1.8 speaks of, the power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and in the Wesleyan tradition and our faith tradition, it's not just when you say, Jesus, come into my life, and we get all of Jesus, but it's that second step. Some would even suggest the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Some would say that it's the time where sanctification just really takes full, uh, develops fully. It's not just, hey, I get all of God, but man, that power of God, that Holy Spirit resting on me, in me, through me, I want to give all of myself to Jesus. I want to give all of myself to his will, his desires. I want to give all of myself to wherever he takes me, whatever he shows me, whoever's in front of me, that I would display all of myself because I'm bathed with him, the bathing and washing of his word, that we would give that to others. You will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. Psalm 46 is how we close. God is our refuge and strength. Always ready to help in times of trouble. So we will not fear when earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea. Let the oceans roar and foam. Let the, members, let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. 
Our river brings joy to the city of our God, the sacred home of the Most High. God dwells in that city. It cannot be destroyed. From the very break of day, God will protect it. The nations are in chaos and their kingdoms crumble. God's voice thunders and the earth melts. The Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. He is our safety. He is our protection. There is wisdom in hiding behind Jesus instead of trying to fend for ourselves and do it on our own and thinking that we're wise enough, smart enough, or strong enough. Come and see the glorious works of the Lord. See how he brings destruction upon the world. He causes wars to end throughout the earth. He breaks the bow and snaps the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be honored by every nation. I will be honored throughout the world. The Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. Breaks at last. 